1: historic health
2: care deal we've worked together extraordinarily well on a lot of different things uh, over the
3: past number of months
2: the
1: billions in new money bc gets from ottawa where they'll
4: spend it and how it could impact your health
3: a big hole in the bc budget
4: businesses will get up and leave to other provinces or other jurisdictions or simply
3: close their doors why small businesses feel like they've been forgotten
4: and
1: a small town police force rocked by allegations of racism.
3: I'm not sure what the comments were, but I think any level of racism should not be tolerated.
5: Why
1: several officers are facing discipline over a group chat.
3: You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening, we'll get to those stories in a moment, but we begin with breaking news of an avalanche in southeastern BC.
1: Nearly a dozen people were swept up and reportedly there are multiple injuries. The avalanche happened in the area of Panorama Mountain Resort near Invermere just before noon. R.K. Helisky is the company involved in the accident and tells Global News nine guests and one guide were caught up in the slide. B.C. Emergency Health Services confirms four people have been taken to hospital. The severity of their injuries is not known at this point. We have also reached out to the RCMP for further information but have yet to hear back. We will bring you any new details we get during the news hour tonight.
3: Now, just one day after the provincial government delivered its latest budget, B.C. is joining most of the other provinces, signing on to the federal health care funding deal.
1: As Julie Nolan reports, over the next decade, Ottawa will deliver more than $3.5 billion in additional cash to help stabilize the province's strained health care
6: system.
2: We've worked together extraordinarily well on a lot of different things uh, over the past number of months.
6: The federal government and the province of BC signing a health agreement in principle
5: means that we're able to ensure stable, secure funding going forward.
6: As one of the last provinces to sign on to a deal first proposed last month, the funding breaks down like this. $3.3 billion in new money over the next decade. That funding is included in an overall package of health transfers to the province. It also includes a one-time top-up of $273 million. That money will address the most pressing needs in ER, wait times for surgery, and help for pediatric hospitals.
2: That's why our government, has laid out a plan to strengthen public health care across the country, working hand-in-hand with provinces.
5: Expanding access to family health services, uh, including in rural and remote areas. Reducing backlogs. Better supporting B.C.'s health care workers.
6: The agreement is the first step toward a 10-year funding proposal from the Prime Minister to the Premiers. It equates to a total of $196 billion. While it's some new funding, provinces have been desperate for a major injection of cash following the strain of the pandemic on the health care system, especially when it comes to workers. This new deal will also modernize the tracking of health data and expedite credentials for nurses and doctors coming from other countries.
2: Across Canada, Healthcare workers have been stretched to their limits. They're working doubles and overtime to be there for patients. They're going above and beyond to make up for staffing shortages. No,
3: it's not going to be the solution.
6: Opposition leader Kevin Falcon says he welcomes the new cash and the notion that the feds will have spending targets and timelines for BC to follow However,
3: we've got a government that doesn't frankly know how to manage the system and so no amount of additional dollars are going to make a difference in the outcomes we're seeing which are the worst in the country.
6: The premier and the PM acknowledge this bilateral deal won't fix everything but hope it will lead to improving a system in need of life itself. Julie Nolan, Global News. And Keith Baldry joins us with more on this. Keith,
1: it sounds like a lot of money but what kind of impact do we expect this will have?
7: Yeah, sort of a glass-half-full, half-empty type of uh, proposition here. Uh, so, yes, it is a lot of money, but when framed against the overall budget of B.C., it's not as much as you may think. And in terms of funding increases each and every year, the province is far outpacing the feds when it comes to putting more money into the system. Here's what I'm talking about over the next three years, including this year. So this year, the B.C. government's putting a record $3.2 billion in addition into the health care system compared to this $600 million for the feds. $1.2 billion is a provincial increase next year. The Feds drops to about $330 million, and then the following year, the province provincial uh, contribution drops even further, but still well ahead of what the Federals are putting in, in terms of an increase. That's not all the money the Feds are putting in, but that's the new money over and above what was on the table already. Nevertheless, Health Minister Adrian Dix continues to sound a positive note about this. He's about to preside over a health care system that next year will likely hit $30 billion, which a decade ago, few people could get their heads around. But he still says this is a significant investment from Ottawa, and he'll take the money.
3: The agreements uh, with the federal government are a positive step uh, as well. And, you know, as I said, I think when, when uh, the numbers were announced that um, this stabilizes uh, federal funding for health care in BC, which is a positive thing uh, in and of itself uh, at, a, at a similar level to what it's at now, but we're going to be able to make, as a result of that agreement, some. Uh, significant investments as part of uh, the much, much, very significant investments we're making in mental health and addictions and seniors care and technology and other areas that are really important.
7: So when I drilled down further and look, examined the fine print, I discovered that the federal government's increase in the Canada health transfer, which is really the heart of the, what the premiers were looking for, uh, doesn't even take place until year three of the agreement. So this is very much a backloaded agreement uh, in terms of funding, not a front-end loaded, wh- exactly what the, what the premiers weren't looking for. They're looking for a 35% contribution. They're far from getting that, but they're going to take the money now.
1: Mm-hmm. I guess take what you can get while you can get it. Thanks, mm-hmm. Keith. Exactly.
7: The
3: Canadian Federation of Independent Business took a look through the budget and found very little for its struggling members here. Many businesses can't cope with rising costs and a slowing economy. And as Richard Zussman reports, they say BC missed a big opportunity to help.
8: At Burnaby's Bento Nara restaurant, a lack of staff is forcing some creativity. Sushi delivered by robot. Here,
9: here I am.
10: Robot is convenience to me, that's work.
8: While robots may help keep businesses going in the short term, it's help from this human. BC's finance minister, Katrina Conroy, businesses are counting on long term. We're putting that surplus to work for people.
4: Some of the spending priorities, such as crime prevention, mental health, are definitely matters um, that impact our members and that they consider important. However, what they were really looking for in the budget was some sort of indication that the government understands the amount of cost pressures that businesses are under.
8: The big request was to lower the employer's health tax burden, but Conroy says almost 90% of businesses already are exempt from paying the tax. And it's really not the right time right now to cut funding to health care. After we're coming out of the pandemic, we want to keep it supporting health care.
4: The most worrisome is that businesses will get up and leave to other provinces or other jurisdictions or simply close their doors.
8: Businesses are still in a fragile state post-pandemic. Employers are struggling to find employees when they find workers the cost in many cases higher the tax burden also growing with property taxes increasing substantially in Surrey and Vancouver and many other communities
6: businesses were also looking for some relief when it came to the cost of doing business which is very high in this jurisdiction and certainly this budget did not deliver on that.
8: The government is forecasting a drop in corporate taxes at the same time expecting to collect more from businesses on the employer's health tax.
5: I can see why businesses feel like they're, they're kind of their front pockets are empty and the government's reaching around to pull a few bucks out of the back pocket now.
8: And while robots keep delivering sushi, businesses hoping it's government that will eventually deliver on a plan to help keep them competitive. Be careful with picking yeah. Richard Lissman, Global News, Victoria.
3: All right. Small businesses are a major driver of the BC economy, employing more than forty percent of the workforce. The last census shows there were more than five hundred thousand small businesses in BC, up twenty percent from twenty sixteen, when there were fewer than four hundred thousand.
1: Now, from the provincial budget to the city budget, and in a surprise move, Vancouver Council passed its 2023 operating plan last night with a nearly 11% hike in property taxes. Aaron MacArthur has more on where the money will be going and how other cities have managed to keep their tax burden much lower.
5: <laughs> the fire department, police, and engineering services all getting more money. A week ahead of schedule and virtually unanimously, Vancouver City Council voted Tuesday to increase costs for taxpayers by hundreds of dollars a year. According to newly elected Mayor Ken Sim, after years of underfunding, council had no choice but to invest in core services.
3: Property tax increases of this magnitude cannot and will not become the norm. But scattered amongst the core services,
5: is spending that isn't found in any other metro municipality. In order to pay for a campaign promise, Vancouver will transfer millions to Vancouver Coastal Health to pay for mental health services. In Port Coquitlam, Mayor Brad West says the focus has been on trimming everything unnecessary. The city has managed to keep property tax growth this year to slightly more than 3%. We've been elected to Port Coquitlam City Council, not the United Nations General Assembly. And so we stay
2: very focused on what the core responsibilities of the municipality are.
5: In Vancouver, tax money has been used to fight the opioid crisis and to build and run social housing projects. But the argument is made that cities have little choice because the province for years has downloaded these costs onto cities. The NDP has promised a billion dollars in community funding, money that will cover Capital projects, not operational needs.
1: Such as community amenity. Um, we recognize that there are also aging infrastructure as well.
5: Property taxes have increased every year for the last decade in the city of Vancouver. And yet services have still declined. Wow. Residents this voted a for a different, different kind of municipal dollars. government. It will take until next year to find out if this nearly 11%
3: hike was worth it. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. We're getting some more insight into what happened to a Surrey teenager whose death has shocked B.C.'s minor hockey community. Police are investigating the role sextortion played before the teen took his own life. And experts are coming forward to say it is a pervasive crime that can quickly have tragic consequences. Ramina Dea reports.
11: From sextortion to suicide, with no warning. Sources say 14-year-old Robin Janjua was blackmailed at lightning speed after someone gained control of his information and an intimate image through a popular social media app.
1: As soon as you click, you open the door.
11: It's that easy to hijack your identity, pictures, videos and personal information online. Medi Talverdi and is a security and identity do protection do expert who works closely with the former deputy director happened. of the FBI. Well, he is urging so teens and parents to educate themselves. Do not click on links, apps or ads if you do not know the source.
1: Inside that app or link there is a penetration mechanism built. That, build, that come and take over your phone or your computer or your uh, any electronic device, you don't know this is happening.
11: Until you're faced with threats.
0: Until you face a threat or blackmail.
11: Cybertip.ca has seen a 150% increase in reports of sextortion in the last six months. Boys are typically extorted for money, girls for images. 79% of the sextortion happening on Instagram and Snapchat, says the director of Cybertip.ca. 91% of the victims have been male.
12: Well, we are certainly seeing a lot of children uh, lose their lives as a result of this. Oh, up-
11: the suicide of Port Coquitlam teen Amanda Todd more than a decade ago sparked a global movement about online sextortion. Amanda's mother still fighting to hold social media companies accountable.
4: Well, our federal government
13: is is looking at regulating um, some parts of
4: applications, internet, What kids are
11: using. Surrey RCMP are still investigating the circumstances leading up to Janjua's death. We still don't know who is behind the alleged sextortion or where it originated. Janjua's hockey coach told us it did not involve anyone from the team or anyone the child knew. Janjua is being remembered as a bright young hockey star and committed student with a wonderful family who thought they were doing everything right. Romina Dea, Global News.
3: And experts have some good advice for victims of sex torsion. First, stop talking to the person immediately. Deactivate any account you've communicated on, but don't delete it. It might end up being evidence. Don't give in to threats. Don't send money or more photos. Keep a copy of all those messages. And most importantly, reach out for help. A good place to start is need help now, all one word, Needhelpnow.ca.
1: An investigation into the conduct of some former and current Nelson police officers has concluded with half a dozen members facing discipline over racist comments. As Catherine Urquhart reports, the review was initiated by the chief into a
4: WhatsApp group chat. One year ago, a police act investigation was ordered into the conduct of eight current and retired members of the Nelson Police Department. It came at the request of the department's chief constable. Now that investigation has determined six of those officers have committed discreditable conduct. One of the six officers was also found to have committed neglect of duty two were cleared of any wrongdoing.
3: I think any level of racism should not be tolerated and if it was proven that they were in fact being racist then they should pay a price.
4: The investigation was related to participation in a WhatsApp chat group between 2018 and 2020. Those WhatsApp conversations involved sharing of inappropriate messages and memes including racist comments. The year-long investigation was done by members of the Vancouver Police Department under civilian oversight of the Office of the Police Complaint Commissioner. Chief Constable Donovan Fisher released a statement saying in part, although these findings are troublesome, we are determined to learn from this and grow as an organization. He's
9: the captain of
4: the ship and obviously he felt that this needed to have some kind of review. Just weeks ago, members of the department were faced with the tragic deaths of two officers who died in an avalanche it was a huge blow for the department, which has only about 20 officers. As for those involved in the OPCC investigation, they'll have an opportunity to respond to the findings of the investigation. Once that's completed, there will be a decision on discipline. Catherine Urquhart, Global News.
3: Another blast of winter is heading our way. The forecast includes snow for some areas tonight. Meteorologist Christy Gordon joins us now with more on how much and when it's moving in. Christy.
14: Thanks so much, Chris. So, right now we've got rain across our region, temperatures hovering between four and five degrees. But you can see Powell River has already started to drop in temperature. We've had reports of grapple, which are little uh, mini snowballs, as well as ice pellets. So, it's good indication that there's still a lot of cold air over higher elevations. Now, as we continue through the evening hours, the temperatures will drop. So, we are expecting snowfall for areas away from the water, higher elevations, and some of those isolated pockets of Metro Vancouver that can cool off. Most of Metro Vancouver. Vancouver will drop down to two degrees and we're going to continue with rainfall but it's these areas here that have the potential for some accumulations into tomorrow morning. We're not expecting the precipitation to end until about 9 a.m so your commute to work tomorrow in those isolated communities that have the potential for snowfall uh, could be impacted tomorrow. I'll have more details on the timeline in which areas could see the majority of the snow when I come back.
3: All right we'll check in later. Thanks Christy.
1: Another increase for Canadian cell phone customers. We already pay among the highest rates in the world. And pretty soon, if you roam when you want to, you'll have to pay much more. How much? Next on the News Hour.
0: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com
5: system. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder.
3: Remember the bags of cash flowing through B.C. casinos? Well, after years of investigating money laundering, why there will be no charges coming up on the news hour.
1: And a cosmic coupling that should have you looking skyward. That's coming up.
3: Right now though, traveling with your cell phone is about to get more expensive for some Canadians. Just in time for spring break, both Telus and Bell have announced price increases. For roaming,
1: Starting next week, the daily rate will go up by at least a dollar. As Jennifer Palmer reports, critics say it's another gouge for Canadians who don't have many choices when it comes
12: to wireless carriers. Just in time for spring break, roaming rates for two of Canada's biggest telecom providers are going up by at least a dollar a day of your trip outside of Canada.
3: Uh, it's terrible. I think that uh, the companies now are making enough money with everything else that they're getting off us.
12: Here's the breakdown. As of March 9th, Bell customers' U.S. roaming rate will rise to $13 a day up from $12 in the U.S. and from $15 to $16 a day internationally. As of March 8th, TELUS customers will pay $14 a day up from 12 in the U.S. and $16 up from 15 internationally. As for Rogers there's no current increase announced. Compare that to the United States. Verizon charges customers $5 daily to roam in Canada and $10 daily to roam in other countries. AT&T, $10 daily to roam in Canada and other countries.
2: This is an opportunity for these firms to, to, to profit off Canadians.
12: Global News contacted Telus and Bell, but neither returned comment by deadline as to why the roaming increase held investor with Canada Anti-Monopoly Project says we need more choices.
2: Infrastructure costs those don't really apply here. I'm sure they'll say something about their international partners requiring them to raise their prices but when it comes to the bottom line is Canadians who are already squeezed uh, when it comes to telecom.
13: I've
6: never used my phone out of Canada.
5: No? Yeah. Is that why? Because you worry about fees that are yeah. high? Yeah.
6: I was really disappointed to hear because that's like you know, you're just really screwing people, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Families want to go away over spring break, and boom,
12: you've got a captive uh, market.
5: Say, roaming. I to sweet data freedom.
12: To keep cell phone costs down when you travel, tech expert Andy Brar suggests using eSIMs or purchasing a SIM card at your destination for cheaper data. But there's a catch.
2: You don't get access to your phone number and text messages. So we can only assume that they're just doing this because they know that we're gonna travel and they know this is an easy way for them to make money.
12: Jennifer Palma, Global News. Just ahead, BC's cannabis holdout.
2: I think it's time for the citizens to have legalized cannabis in there.
1: The only major city without a government marijuana store and the people who want to change that.
3: But first, major concerns about the future of downtown Victoria and why businesses might disappear. Business owners in downtown Victoria are worried a change in government policy could destroy their livelihoods.
1: Traditionally, thousands of people filled the offices of the capital city, bringing a steady supply of customers downtown. But as Kylie Stanton reports, the province will soon allow new hires to live anywhere in the province. Two coquettes. The
13: orders still come in here, but not at all like they used to.
14: Before the pandemic, uh, we were doing 150 covers a day, 150 sandwiches. Now we're lucky for hitting half of that.
13: Bali Victoria, a small family-run eatery in the downtown core, relies heavily on the traffic of government workers.
14: That was a major draw to opening up downtown. Now it's kind of like Mm, I don't know anymore.
13: It's managed to survive, despite roughly half never returning to the office. But things are about to get even worse. Effective April 1st, postings for provincial government jobs will open up to qualified applicants no matter where they live in B.C., an initiative aimed at urgently filling vacancies while expanding the talent pool in the public service. So we're going
8: to be posting positions and, and if you can do a job that can be based out of Victoria but you can actually work in Nelson and do it virtually that's going to help. Greater
13: Victoria's business community has been quick to respond. In a letter to the deputy minister it writes the decision has been made without consideration to the economic ecosystem that Greater Victoria has supported for decades.
7: With those workers not being in the offices They're not going for coffee, they're not having beers, they're not buying shoes. They're doing things closer to home, but for the core of the city that was set up to have that economy built around those workers and offices, that's been a big hit.
13: The 36,000-member BC Public Service lost roughly 3,000 employees last year alone. The minister says embracing a more flexible approach is essential in order to attract and retain the workforce. Two lemongrass chicken.
14: Thank you. Appreciate it. Have a good day.
13: But the question here remains... At what cost?
14: I think you're going to see a lot more businesses closing downtown because it's it's hurting
3: everybody, just not for me, but everybody in Victoria.
13: Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria.
3: The city of West Kelowna says it's seeing a lot of people moving in from the lower mainland and it's now looking for ways to increase the housing supply. In order to meet demand, the official community plan says an extra 300 homes will have to be built per year. But a big challenge is where to build them. We've tried to build some buffering to the plan so that we don't just assume that all properties
2: will develop independently and and on their own and that we provide enough uh, opportunity for development so that should some properties not develop, we still have other properties that will and there's still enough opportunity to, to capture those residents that are intending to move here.
3: The official community plan is also suggesting additional height allowances to be permitted for new developments, including 12 or more stories in the heart of West Bank. The plan is still in draft form and will go through initial bylaw readings with Council in the coming weeks.
1: Well, there's a new call tonight for cannabis retailers to be allowed in Surrey. Although recreational marijuana has been legal in this country for nearly five years, brick-and-mortar stores have never been allowed to operate
10: in B.C.'s second-largest city. As Grace Key reports, many say it's time. Inspired Cannabis' flagship store in Robson Street focuses on brand awareness with its art gallery style design. They have seven locations in B.C., seven in Ontario, and two in Saskatchewan. What it doesn't have, a
2: store in Surrey. Surrey is such a big population of 700,000 people roughly. I think it's time for the citizens to have legalized cannabis in there. Um, What they're ending up doing is we have a store in Delta and a lot of them are coming to our Delta store. The city of Surrey
10: hasn't changed its bylaws regarding cannabis stores despite the federal legalization of recreational marijuana in 2018. City staff is working on a report that looks into the possibility of opening stores in Surrey.
6: The last council did not want um, cannabis stores here in Surrey. And quite frankly, I disagree with that. Um, Cannabis was made legal um, a few years ago. And I think Surrey needs to get on board and open cannabis stores in in a, in a, proper way of course.
10: The Surrey Board of Trade has released a report Surrey's cannabis industry needs. It not only calls for changes to the city bylaws but also says provincial and federal red tape is preventing the industry from thriving.
11: The difficulty of navigating the provincial and federal regulatory processes, the taxes that must be paid on all products along the supply chain and the inability for cannabis businesses to receive fair access to financial services have resulted in ineffective policy outcomes.
10: The report makes several recommendations. This includes removing the 20% tax on cannabis vape products and introducing a province-wide retail operator license, allowing companies to be screened once. We want to make sure when
2: Surrey open, other municipalities have opened, you do it in a systematic way. You don't need a lot of them, but you do need some, and you need them in key areas. So commercial centres is where you want these things to go.
10: It's hoping its next location in B.C. will be in Surrey. Grace Key, Global News.
1: And late this afternoon, we heard back from Surrey Mayor Brenda Locke, who says, in part, I have asked staff to work on a report to develop a measured approach for the potential introduction of retail cannabis locations in Surrey
3: just ahead hope to stop dementia before it starts
5: one of the consistent themes is that we're we're intervening too late
3: promising results from a study of how vitamin d can help
1: also ahead after millions in laundered money dozens of seized phones and thousands of intercepted messages why bc money laundering suspects will never face charges Three people are dead and two others have been seriously hurt in a crash north of Kamloops.
3: RCMP say it happened just before 11 o'clock this morning on Highway 5 south of Clearwater. The early investigation suggests a southbound pickup truck sideswiped a northbound commercial vehicle and then crashed head-on into a following sport utility vehicle, killing three people in the SUV. Last month, two other drivers were killed in separate crashes a week apart on the same stretch of highway.
1: A special prosecutor is backing a decision by Crown Counsel not to lay charges against a suspected money launderer.
3: The money laundering investigation was called e-nationalized, one of the biggest ever conducted in B.C. More than two million communications were intercepted. Ninety smartphones were seized, with police producing almost 42,000 documents to back their case. Investigators say the suspect moved millions through B.C., taking in cash, converting it to bank drafts or casino chips, and then funneling more than $7 million into Chinese bank accounts. But prosecutors declined to lay charges, arguing there was not a reasonable likelihood of conviction.
8: Is this the end of e-nationalized? Is there any other steps in this investigation?
4: There's a whole team that's going after money laundering in this province It's constantly working on um, on investigating, charging, and assessing cases.
3: A major inquiry last year concluded money laundering has been ignored in the province. The Attorney General says since e-nationalized, B.C. has changed the law to make it easier to prosecute offenders.
1: Well, the Royal B.C. Museum's iconic woolly mammoth targeted by paint-wielding climate activists.
3: This morning, an activist crossed the barrier into the exhibit and smeared the mammoth's tusks with pink paint. The group Onto Ottawa is claiming responsibility for the vandalism. The museum says the paint was quickly cleaned up and the exhibit was reopened within 90 minutes. Three people were arrested by Victoria Police.
1: A common vitamin you might already have in your medicine cabinet could help prevent dementia. As Global's Carolyn Currie de Castillo reports, a study involving researchers in Calgary and the UK indicates taking vitamin D could be part of the solution.
9: Frank Sonnier has been caring for his wife for four years. She was diagnosed with dementia. He says it's hard to describe what it's like to watch the person you love change dramatically and know it's not getting any better.
0: What do you find is the most challenging? I would say managing sadness.
9: A new study done over the course of 10 years found in those who were taking vitamin D, there was about a 40% lower rate for development of dementia. Researchers also found that the effects were greater in those with normal cognition than in those with mild cognitive impairment, suggesting the earlier you start, the more you can prevent progression.
2: We have had 20 years of drug failures in, in dementia, and one of
5: the consistent themes is that we're we're intervening too late.
9: Dr. Zanora Ismail at the University of Calgary says vitamin D research on people who already have dementia showed mixed results.
2: Likely because by the time you have dementia it's pretty late in the course and a big issue in the whole field is that we are detecting it too late.
9: Dr. Ismail is leading the Can Protect project that launched on Wednesday, aimed at getting more insight into the brain as people age. Anyone over 40 can join the online study. Researchers say it will provide invaluable information on which risk factors are the best targets for preventing dementia.
5: The earlier the better. I always say that dementia prevention starts in childhood and developing a robust brain.
9: There is currently no cure for dementia and there are gaps in our knowledge of it.
2: We know the consequences, but we
0: don't know what the cause was.
9: Caregivers are encouraged to take part in the CanProtect study.
0: I think we're a number of years away, but if this is a path, you know, that's good. It's, it's worth contributing to.
9: U of C researchers say preventing dementia or even delaying its onset is critical, given the growing numbers of people affected. Carolyn curry de Castillo, Global News.
3: And coming up, a celestial spectacle. So really seeing Mother Nature's greatest show is always a treat. Why enthusiasts are hoping for clear skies to catch the show.
1: And in sports, losing is better for landing Connor Bedard. But you'll see why winning matters more to the guys on the ice. Well, it is actually March, which I Mm -hmm. I suppose it is still technically winter, isn't it, uh, Christy, for another couple of weeks left? Uh, three weeks? <laughs>
14: <laughs> yeah, three weeks, so usually until about the 20th or 21st. I'm not exactly sure what day it is this this time around. But yeah, so we still have a little bit of winter left, that's for sure. Now much of Metro Vancouver will just see rainfall overnight. I want to give you uh, a clear understanding of that. But it's areas above about 200 metres as well as there's always those isolated pockets around Metro Vancouver that tend to cool off a little bit more than other areas. Janet Brown's house, Janet from CKNW, always gets snowfall in Surrey when everyone else doesn't. And then three the Fraser Valley, but the best chance of that 10 centimeters of snow would really be over higher elevations. Most other areas would be a two to five in these regions. The precipitation is not expected to end until about 9 a.m., so it could impact the commute to work. So through the evening hours, it is very spotty, but it will intensify as we head towards the midnight hour, and it's around midnight that we'll start to see temperatures drop enough. These are the areas that could be impacted. So the North Shore, as well as Coquitlam, Burnaby, even northern Surrey and northern uh, Langley, out towards sort of the Mission and Chilliwack area. Those are the regions that have the potential for snowfall accumulations. And again, yes, it could impact your commute to work tomorrow. So give yourself some extra time. Tomorrow, though, during the day, a mix of sun and cloud. And look at that bullseye off in the distance. Tomorrow's a day you need to keep your eye on the sky. We even have a risk of thunderstorms. So exciting times, that's for sure, in our weather forecast. All right, here's a look at that front shifting across. A bit of a rain shadow effect for those of you in the interior. But we will see snowfall in the cloud. Columbia and the Kootenay region. Kootenay area, you'll change over to rainfall in the afternoon as you warm up to about 2 degrees. For our region, a mix of sun and cloud. We have a 40% chance of showers throughout the day tomorrow, but keep your eye on the sky. We even have a risk of thunderstorms. And it looks like temperatures will warm up to highs of about 7 degrees. So beyond tonight and early tomorrow morning, it looks like we're going to warm up, and that could be the end of snowfall in the short term anyways. Beautiful shot looking out over Hartley Bay, which is uh, just sort of southwest of the Kitimat area along the north coast. George Fisher sharing that with us. That is a gorgeous evening shot. Thanks, George.
1: Beautiful. Thank you, Christy.
3: That's great. All right, Squire oh. joins us now taking a look at what's coming up in sports later. Well, the Vancouver Canucks surprised everybody
2: by trading a couple of draft picks away for defenseman Philip Horonic of Detroit. Freshman now he's not five, a bad player at, 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 at all. the, oh. Fakes the shot.
14: Lets it go,
2: he He's not a bad player at all, but is he worth a first and second rounder in this year's deep draft? <laughs> That's what I'm asking.
1: If you're asking the question. <laughs> also ahead, astronomy buffs excited about a planetary pairing you might be able to see in the sky.
3: Sometimes you just want a crystal ball to be able to predict what's in the future for our beloved Canucks.
2: The ball is always cloudy. Mm -hmm. Always cloudy. It's
1: not the eight ball. You just shake it up. (laughs) Yeah, maybe that's (laughs) what they're
2: using. Uh, It's Wednesday. And I think if you ask the Canucks what's their idea of the future, they'd say Thursday. Here is more proof that Vancouver Canucks ownership and management hate the idea of a rebuild, and would rather retool. Mind you, that's what they always say. And that's weird, since they're retooling a team that's been bad for years. One playoff appearance since 2016. It's not like they're retooling the 2011 Canucks. Today, Vancouver traded a first-round pick, the one they got from the Islanders for Bo Horvat, and their own second-round pick in this year's draft to Detroit for 25-year-old defenseman Philip Hironik. Just when you think the Canucks are doing the right thing for the future... By acquiring draft picks in a good draft year, they make a move for the now by getting Heronik, who is a decent right-handed defenseman. He's not a bad defenseman. He'll probably play alongside Quinn Hughes, and he will help Vancouver. But do they need that help right now, or do they need to stockpile young players? They need to stockpile young players. And if you really want Heronik, why not wait until after the season? Were there other teams after him as well? Also, his contract runs out after next season, so he will be getting a good size raise soon. Now, this is Heronik's best season in the NHL, although he hasn't been as good the last couple of months as he was the first three months. He did score against Vancouver this season right there. He is a plus eight. He's a guy who will play a lot of minutes for you. But why would Steve Eichmann be so keen to trade him out of Detroit when overall he's finally having a reasonably good year? Now, there is still time. For the Canucks to make more moves, of course, maybe some right moves. And there's also time to either move up or down the standings, which, of course, affects their final remaining first-round pick. Now, we've said this before. Rebuilding, or tanking, if you like, is a game for owners and GMs, not for coaches and players. They play to win. That's their job. And unlike Canuck fans, the Canuck players do not dream of Connor Bedard.
5: Movilie come on to replace Pedersen. he takes a lead pass, he's got two goals in this game. Centers, Kuzmenko scores! Anthony Movilie set it up in front.
7: Not that you ever root for the home team not to win, but you have to wonder what Canuck fans would cheer louder for. A meaningless win in the standings during another lost non-playoff season, or finishing closer to the bottom of the league, which would ensure a higher first-round draft pick and the slight possibility of winning the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. Right side, Bedard walks to the middle, fakes it, takes it, scores. Connor Bedard has fifty.
3: Don't, uh, not a believer in going for a draft pick. So uh, I really like for us players, we've been. You know, really happy the last month of, of how we've turned our, our team system around and the and the steps that we've taken in becoming uh, a team that plays the way we have to to, to win more hockey games. And uh, I think as players in the room, that's our focus uh, going into every game. Uh, still try and win every game. We're not, uh, uh, nobody's thinking about a draft pick. Other people might be focused around, you know, other things like draft pick,
5: but, you know, the guys in the soccer, we, we want to be better, and, um, you know, we had high expectations for this year, and, and it didn't go that way, and, um, you know, that's, that's not okay with with a lot of us.
7: The Canucks currently sit sixth from the bottom. Drop lower on the odds of winning the draft increase slightly. Win more games and climb higher in the standings, and those odds decrease. So it really is a situation where you're damned if you do, and damned if you don't.
8: Well, it's kind of funny, if you lose, you're mad, they're mad, and if we win, they're mad. So, I'm just kidding. I, it's, it's they, they, listen, the, the, the fans get it. You know, they know where we're at, and they, uh, they know where we're trying to get at. And sometimes you have to take a step back to go two steps forward.
2: All right, we did a story on Alexandria Ludit recently when she was up in Whistler. Today, she became the first Canadian to win a ski jumping world championship in Slovenia. She was tied with Norway's Maren Lenby after uh, one of two jumps, but she was 10 points better in her final jump. She went 136.5 meters. She won the world junior title last month up in Whistler. BC Girls AAA Basketball Tournament Langley Event Center. This is a uh, number three Riverside against RE Mountain. and This is Georgia Hart. Nice play, nice bucket. And this is her sister Alexis. And a nice outlet here to Georgia Hart for another basket. We're told that Riverside won this, but we haven't been told the score. But we can tell you, uh, other winners today included number one, Walnut Grove, Claremont, Yale, Siakam, and Kelowna. There are more games tonight and all through the rest of this week. So if you get a chance,
3: go out and see them play.
1: All right. Thanks, Squire.
3: Thanks, Squire. A celestial drama that's been building over the last few weeks reaches its pinnacle tonight. Let's hope for clear skies. Details next.
1: Jordan Armstrong standing by now with a look ahead to Global News at 11. Jordan?
5: Sophie, New Westminster police are looking for help solving a vicious daytime robbery. It happened at 9 a.m. Monday near New Westminster SkyTrain Station. Police say a commuter was punched in the stomach, robbed of his headphones, and knocked to the ground by two men he did not know. The victim gave police a detailed description of his attackers, and we'll have that at 11. Plus, we're continuing to follow that avalanche near Invermere. Nearly a dozen people caught in a slide earlier today, four taken to hospital. We'll have the latest on Global News at 11. Sophie?
1: All right, sounds good. Thanks, Jordan.
3: Okay, so tonight you can see two of the brightest planets in the night sky come very close together, visually at least, so close that they almost appear as one.
1: Global Sydney Morton has more on how and when you can see Jupiter and
15: Venus creating a spectacle in the sky. Turn your attention to the stars this week to see Jupiter and Venus appear next to each other in the sky.
13: If you have a pair of binoculars, you must have a look at this. You'll see Jupiter as a tan disc and you'll see its four largest moons strung all in line like beads on a wire. And then Venus alongside it like an escaped landing light from an aircraft. I mean, they might be not scientifically fascinating, but these sights are absolutely beautiful.
15: Even though the two planets will appear to be close together, in reality, they will remain more than 670 million kilometres away from each other.
13: Night by night, from Wednesday on, you'll see them a little bit further apart. It's not sort of a a flashing counter, it's a... You know, they're both planets are just going around the sun. Jupiter is going around relatively slowly because it's a long way away. Venus is going around every 225 days because it's close. So they'll just gradually drift apart.
15: The best time to catch it is about an hour after sunset. And if you look over to the southwest, that's when you'll see the two planets shining bright in the sky.
12: It's exciting for, for all astronomers because events like this take people out of their houses. to get away from the three Ts, as I call it, the TV, the tablet. And and the telephone. So really seeing Mother Nature's greatest show is always a treat. Science has a way of bringing down stress and anxiety levels.
15: You will even be able to catch the celestial show on your camera. To save the memory, until the next time, we will see another Venus-Jupiter conjunction in 2040. Sydney Morton, Global News.
3: I'll be around for that that one too if i miss it tonight 2040
1: I'll put that's it my in, plan put it in the calendar yeah
3: <laughs> okay i don't know why every time i
2: hear the word conjunction i think of conjunction junction what's your function
1: yeah
3: oh the great saturday morning <laughs> animated cartoon a little uh, Isn't there
1: like a song Fra- associated with that yeah Say conjunction it?
2: junction mm-hmm. what's your function putting together words and phrases what's well, the melody
1: they didn't speak it i, I
3: can't <laughs> sing. <laughs> don't ask him all right clear skies to see this celestial spectacle
1: Uh, not really tonight.
14: No, we've got a cold front that's going to move across. It'll bring rain to most areas, but again, higher elevations. We're expecting snow, Fraser Valley, and isolated parts of Metro Vancouver that are cold enough.
3: All right.
1: 2040
3: it is. 2040 it is. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Christy. Thanks for watching, everyone. Good to have you back, Sophie.
1: Oh, it's nice to be back. Have a good night, all.